<laughs> Are we on? Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> well, I've been planning on starting oh it. Oh my that. god. I just because I want to make you laugh. <laughs> You're dead to me. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. I said that to I, I planned it for like a week. When an ex-boyfriend, like, broke up with Shut me. Shut up. Yeah. So he broke up with me. Like, we broke up. And then I was, like, waiting for him to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And was, like, the minute he communicates with me, I'm going to respond, you're dead to me. Is it the one that I know? Yeah. The, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and I, and so, yeah. Like, so he said something like, hi, I just really want to, like, uh, apologize. Like, I'm really sorry. I'm so like I, I'm sorry I made you feel, like, whatever. And I was blah, like, blah, and blah, I blah. just went, I just responded, you're, you're dead, dead to me. me. <laughs> and then, and then he responded, fair enough. Good. And then, and then we wanted to get back together. Mm-hmm. And so we did for a good mm-hmm. year and a half later and ruined mm-hmm. each other's lives. But, mm-hmm. like, we, we've recovered. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so, Marie, by the way. Yeah, and I'm Nicolina. And this is paranormal. And this is paranormal. <laughs> Uh, and this is also our therapy session, apparently. Welcome back <laughs> to our therapy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> this is no longer a paranormal podcast. This is just about the ghosts that ghost us. <laughs> about the ghosts of boyfriend's past. Um, how have you been? You were away. I This is the first time I've seen you since we last recorded. Yeah. And um, I'm looking not as tanned as I'd like to be. You look but- really tanned to me. Oh, do I? Mm-hmm. Um, that's because I was so, so, so white before. Yes, right. Um, Translucent. My body is actually quite tanned. Um, I try and put, you know, sunscreen on my face. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to age. Joke. And it's serious. Yeah. Like, that's a serious I thing for you. me. Like, this is I'm the money you. maker, you know? <laughs> no, I'm with you, girl. <laughs> do you think I'd want to do a podcast with someone who was not attractive? Yeah, no, I, I don't, don't think look so. look at your mug that's for like an hour so true. every that's two weeks. <laughs> Uh, no, it was great. I went to Turks and Caicos. Mm-hmm. It's extremely expensive. Um, lots of rich men. I met two nice. oh, two uh, uh, condo Toronto condo developers there. Lots of Canadian rich men. So it's like it's nice. not like I have to move to the states if I wanted to marry one no. of them. Are um, they single? Were they no, single? none of them are single. Oh, However, they did not have they wedding don't rings, care, on, rings on. Yeah, they don't. Care. Um, but I called them out on that, and then they yes, just you did. Yeah, of course I did. Of course. And um, and they were like, yes. I was like. But you have you're married with children, right? And they were like, yes. yes. I'm like, well, where's your wedding ring? Ring then? They're like, we left it on our golf clubs. Ah, and I'm like, good one. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, so what's your recommendation? Cute. Do I marry rich and have like a cheating, philandering husband? Yes. Is that like something that you recommend? And they were like, absolutely. Well, because you can cheat and philander. Yeah. So they're like, do not marry for love. No. Never marry for love. Don't. Yeah. It was, I mean, we really had like a very, it was a very serious conversation. They were like, yeah. don't do it. Marry for rich. Maybe for sex as well. You might fall in love. And then maybe the you'll fall in love. In time. Maybe. And if not, listen, let's say. At least you can not be in love with a Birkin bag. Absolutely. On your arm, you know? like Absolutely. <laughs> and also, you can always have like an affair on the side with Absolutely. someone that you're in love with. Well, the thing and is, and they can benefit from your money too. Totally, absolutely, in- absolutely. And like my horoscope, my <laughs> natal chart has said <laughs> that I, if I do marry, I will likely suffer a divorce due to extramarital affairs 
on my side. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so yep. I'm like, all right, well, like, if I'm going to just do that anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to do it to someone I love. No. No, don't do that. And also do it with someone who's rich. Who won't really care. Who who you can take their money when you're done. Absolutely. If I can just leave with, like, I, hello, we don't want prenup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I know someone specifically who did that. And, like, kudos to that yeah, girl. Yeah, for you. I don't care. Um, Anywho. So that's what I got out of Turks and Caicos. Good for you. That. Good. I also did karaoke. Oh yes, I saw that. I was very proud of you. No scrubs. Yeah, I. Which is my I'm theme for this week. Yes, by scrubs. the way. <laughs> every week, my theme every week should be for, for the rest week. of my life. Your life. Well, you're not allowed to go on vacation ever again. Yeah. So I just want you to know that because my life fell apart while you were gone. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what uh, what happened because you give me the Coles notes. Yeah. Three people in my family died. So there was that that we got to deal with. That was lovely. I'd just like to add this is not my fault. <laughs> people are legitimately horrified right horrified. now that I'm laughing. But I'm horrified. I'm uncomfortable. And when I'm uncomfortable, I laugh. Um. So yeah, three people passed away and I... I had like a, a person really... in your life passed away figuratively. Figuratively. <laughs> I had a really great therapy session. Nice. Um, I realized that I had some friendships that might be a little toxic that I don't really have room for anymore or use for. That's fair. And yeah, I guess it just boils down to I don't have time to be friends with people who are liars. Preach. Thank Preach, you. Preach, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, yeah. Like, fuck. Fuck people. Yeah. Anyone that treats you like shit, I promise you I'll beat them up. Yeah. Like, I love when I just get messages from <laughs> as my coworkers saying, fuck. <laughs> fuck people. That's that's how it is. Anyone that's how that, it's, it be like that sometimes, you know? Yeah. For real. Okay. Anytime anyone's ever mean to you, by the way, I'll beat them up as long as it's not one of my relatives again. <laughs> I was still kind of hoping that you would choose me over her, but I get it. Blood is thicker than water. I'm obviously kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. any, anyway, um, let's maybe get some therapy from our horoscopes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read mine yet. Okay. I've read mine. Like three times. Have you? Oh, I'm supposed to read yours first, I think, right? No. Yeah, didn't you read mine first last time? No. Okay, you go go ahead. Okay. I don't know. Now I I'm, now I'm confused. It doesn't anymore. fucking matter. No. <laughs> yeah, you might be right about this, but I'm reading first, so it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Gemini, you're peerless, you're peerless when it comes to your ability to sway others to your point of view, Gemini. I don't understand what that means. You're I'm peerless? reading along with you. You are peerless. You've cut out everyone in your life. No. Well, no, you, your ability to sway others to it's your fine. point of view. So you, I guess you, you have no, um, you don't need help from other people. In that no, regard. like you're, let's continue to read. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not going to look at peerless. Cause like, I feel like I've never used that in a sentence. No, never. No, ever ne- never. It doesn't even come up in a description. No. I feel like some astrologist has made that shit up. Fucking. We're never using this website again. Okay. Fuck Unequaled. Un- you are unrivaled. Oh. Yes. That's that's it. Well, so you, you have the ability to do that. Great. 
Today you may be put on the spot and asked to defend a position in front of many people. You will do just fine, surprising everyone but you. Oh, like <laughs> like I just did right now? Is that, is that what we're talking about? I don't know. About? You handle a microphone with ease and work an audience until they're putty in your hand. Oh my you god. You can sell anything. This is okay, that, that's that makes crazy. me sound bad. The end makes me sound bad. You could sell anything, but I mean like I could sell this ass. But like <laughs> honestly, that's crazy. Yeah, it's probably it's yeah, I guess. I mean, when your point of view is valid, though, well, it doesn't take much to sway people. I mean, I don't have to sway people because all points that I make are valid. Exactly. Because I'm not a fucking... Look at you work that microphone. Look at me work this microphone. <laughs> like, like the fucking queen of microphones. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I guess that one rang true today. It rang pretty true. I mean, it's yeah. it's a weird one. So it's like kind of... Yeah. I always, I, whenever we read them, I always, for some reason, think about my work because of I course. spend all day you at spend work. Your, uh, so do I. But yeah, I but guess usually this it, one... it's almost always not work related. Like I find yeah. that, my, like my horoscope is like it's like very rarely is it like oh yeah that happened at work. It's always like the weird three hours that I'm not at work. Yeah. Like it's related to that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. You ready for yours? Kind of. Yeah. You have a quick mind, Leo. Which you don't use anywhere near its full potential. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read this one. I love it already. Okay. You were like really offended because I paused for a second there. And you're like, you don't use it? What? I am. I am still offended. Continue. No, you don't use to anywhere near its full capacity. Yeah. Think of your brain as a thoroughbred horse. Trained to run at high speed. This type of animal is miserable if kept penned up. Unable to run and stretch. <laughs> your mind needs similar room to stretch and grow. If new challenges don't come your way, you may have to create some of your own. It's a shame to sit idle. Okay. So this is work related. Okay. Because... I've been, because I just got back from my trip. Right. And I worked on Saturday and I worked on Friday. Right. I have not had a day, like a serious day of rest. Yeah. And then I stayed up Saturday night till 6.30 because I got, got home at 3.45. Right. right. So I literally have like had maybe like, I'm de- depleted on sleep right now. And so I have, when I've been at work Friday and Monday, I've literally like done nothing. Done nothing. Like yeah, I've not totally. been productive. I've like wanted to be, yeah. but I've just been kind of like, bleh, and not written what I like. I usually do two blog posts a week and like yeah. do white papers and all like, and, and get really creative with certain like stuff that I, you know, work with a designer and stuff. And I really haven't been ambitious enough to right. do that. Which How, is fine. And, like, I did present something to my boss today, but I didn't actually do it yet. Yes. I plan to. Yeah. But I needed the mental capacity yeah, to flourish. Sure. And I'm just not there yet. So, I, yeah, I definitely need some rest. And th- that rings true to what I'm currently well, good. experiencing because I haven't been, I haven't been on my game. This is the first time where both of our horoscopes rang true. Yeah. So good for us. We're... I'm glad that they think that I'm very smart, though. You are. You're a very intelligent girl. (laughs) Like, it's not a surprise to anybody. Um, Well, okay. Oh, oh, I wanted to read a really nice message that I got. Oh, yeah. yeah, This I'm not going to say his name because 
I didn't tell him that I was going to read it. Okay. But, like, after the week that I had. Right. To get this, I actually started to cry after I read it. So, this person that I know said, I just want you to know how inspiring I find you and your podcast. I felt, sorry, I should also preface this. We were talking about imposter syndrome, Mm. which I suffer with. Right. He said, I just uh, want you to know how inspiring I find you and your podcast. I have found making content very tough with this reoccurring dream, uh, drum of imposter syndrome. I thought it would be easier to make content with more free time, but it's now like trying to get blood from a stone. But truly seeing you grind and continue to produce the podcast, new co-host and all, mm-hmm. always re-energizes me. It stokes the creative fire. So keep creating, keep exploring the spooky. For me, Andy, do you have a cool, cliquey name for fans? Paranormies? And I was like, yes, that's the yes, name. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it was so sweet. Like, I actually started that's to so nice because I had just been so down on myself. Yeah. And um, just, like, not being kind to myself. So when I got that message, especially when it was from somebody who, like, I don't talk to often. I'm not close with this like person. Like... I went to school with them. Oh, I went okay. to college with them. And like, oh, nice. We always got along. Like, uh-huh. a very, a very nice person, but we're not close. We don't really keep. Yeah, there's no in reason touch. for them to like, ha- like to send something nice. They could have just said it, yeah. thought it to themselves and not actually reached out. Yeah, like it was actually just like super, super nice to get a message like that. And it made me cry. It was very nice. Great. Anyway, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing today? I'm so excited. I, I will tell, yes, okay. because. This is pretty close to my heart because I yeah. I did the Annabelle story and I feel like that inspired us to really like think about this whole Warren's um like the whole everything around them and how people perceive them and how their believers perceive them and the media and all that. So yeah. um today we are going to um do something a little bit different. I am going to read um six of their most popular um I guess what would you call them paranormal investigations yeah so yeah so six of their paranormal investigations um and basically how they how they um it like how they experience them from their side of things and Marie is going to then come back and discuss how the um, media has kind of debunked and people have debunked their claims. claims. Yeah. I really quickly wanted to give a shout out to a girl named Nikki on Instagram that messaged the paranormal pod on Instagram. Okay. And I had put a story up saying like, do you have suggestions for future shows? Right. And it inspired me to, to ask you, do you want to do this? Cause she's the one who answered and said, maybe something about fraudulent or fake ghost hunting. Ah, okay. So then I was thinking, I was like, Oh, fake ghost hunting shows. Like that could be, that like I just feel like there's not enough content around that. Yeah. But when she said frauds, I immediately thought Went of to the, the Warrens. Warrens. Yeah. Because we kind of touched this... on it when we t- discussed Annabelle. Yes. And like their whole thing, and we yeah. were just gonna do a whole thing on, on the their Warrens. paranormal investigations. Yeah. But because there's so, so many, many conflicting opinions yeah. too, um, it just makes sense to kind of because I feel like when you listen to these, you're gonna automatically just go, "That's like." There's no way that that's all true. Right. So why not just kind of talk about that? Right. And let 
the like the the listeners actually like get that perspective out. Yeah, for instead sure. of trying to drill it in that it actually occurred. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not biased. We're not biased podcast. over here. No, no, we're very. We like to uh, see all angles of the situation. Right. All right. Um. So yeah. So I'm gonna start off reading. Um. The first one that we're gonna talk about is they're probably their most popular, and that's. Uh, the Amityville Horror. Um, so here we go. So arguably the most famous of Ed and Lorraine Warren's paranormal investigations, this investigation has been adapted into a frightening and seemingly unending film franchise. This Warren case involved the Lutz family. The Lutzes took up residence in a suburban, suburban Dutch colonial house in Amityville, Long Island in 1975. Only a year before their move-in, the residence had been the site of a deadly mass murder when Ronald DeFeo, 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 DeFeo yeah. Jr. brutally killed six members of his family. Can I ask you a question really yeah. quick? Would you ever buy a house if you knew that a murder had taken place Never. in it? Never. I don't think I would either. Like, that makes my stomach turn. But what if it was, like, a beautiful, like, six-bedroom Victorian at a steal of a price? I honestly, I, I don't think I, don't I, think could, I could do, do it. it like, either. no matter what, I would feel like I'm inviting... Yeah. Just I'm bad. bad. I just wanted thing. to know if we're yeah, on the same page. For sure. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so for 28 days, the Lutzes and their three children lived in that very same house. While there, the family reported antagonistic voices, swarms of flies, welts, family members levitating, banging noises, and unseen entities. Ed and Lorraine Warren were eventually called in to cleanse the house and brought a local TV crew with them. After snapping photos, including one featuring a boy with glowing eyes, the Warrens determined that the land had curses on it. In a 2013 interview with Yahoo, Lorraine Warren said that Amityville House was was the one case that haunts her the most. Amityville was horrible, she said during a press conference for The Conjuring. It was absolutely horrible. It followed us right straight across the country. I will never go in the Amityville House ever again. Oof. So that's the Cole's notes on Amityville. Yeah, by the way, we're doing Cole's notes versions because there are so many stories that we're going to cover. Yeah. So right like quickly before I jump into the the quaint fraudulent. the fraudulent part of it, I just wanted to say that one of the biggest issues with any case associated with the Warrens is that there's not much information uh, concerning the hauntings outside of what they, the Warrens provide. Right. So basically we're just supposed to accept whatever facts that they present to us based on their word alone. Right. Um, which is why people obviously started doing their own investigating into mm-hmm. these claims. Mm-hmm. So for Amityville, there are tons of articles that reveal the Lutz's haunting as more fiction than fact, including statements made by Ronald DeFeo's lawyer. His name is William Weber. And he claims that him, Kathy and George Lutz, um, drank four bottles of wine one night and they had a creative writing session about what kind of thing could go into writing a horror book. And this is according oh. to, this is according to ABC news, by the way. Okay. Then the picture that you talked about. So did they move there? No, like with the, with that as they're wanting inspiration from the house. I don't know. I should have looked that up, but we could probably look it up. But, like, that makes sense. Why it else would. would you want to live in a Victorian or a colonial, colonial house that house people were murdered, murdered in? in. Whether, right. Unless you were trying to look for some sort of inspiration for a mur- like for well, a people, horror book. This is the thing. People, there or are a lot of people who that wouldn't bother them. 
There are. People, okay. Like, there are people sure, who but, just wouldn't. But the fact that they actually had that conversation that's, as well. That's right. Well, he claims. He claims. Right. Claims, right. Allegedly. Um, that picture that you talked about, there, basically everyone is saying, like, okay, it could have been one of the crew members from the TV. Of the, the boy TV with glowing eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the TV appearance is what catapulted the Warrens as experts in the field of paranormal research even though they presented no concrete evidence of their finding that the Amityville house was haunted or, or, and then in quotes, infested with demons. And they had no real evidence in any of their prior cases that they worked on either. Um, before, before basically anybody realized that like they had no concrete evidence, the like excitement around the true ghost story had already begun. Mm. And they, already released uh the amityville horror film by that time oh so they basically told like they had sold the it was yeah done the whole thing yeah Yeah. um that was done in 1979 and that's basically that cemented their reputation for forever Forever. right yeah and that's so that's so they were able to get in Basically, before the before the claims could be debunked yes. at all. So the fraud, yes. So the fraud that we're gonna like that basically is attributed to the Amityville is the statement from Ronald DeFeo's lawyer saying that they decided they were going to make all of this up, him and the people that lived in the house. So Ed and Lorraine Warren had nothing to do with that. Right, 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 um, right, right. It was the actual people who contacted them who made correct. it up. Um, but the house wasn't haunted and Ed and Lorraine seemed to have find have found all this evidence, but then couldn't provide any evidence. concrete. Inf- yeah. Right. Except for that photo, which again was, could have been, been a crew, crew member, member for all we know. Sure. Okay. Okay. Next. So next up is Annabelle, which we already discussed. So um, again, I'm just going to give a Cole's notes version of this. Um, this investigation took the Warrens to a thing rather than a place. More specifically, a Raggedy Ann doll that was purchased in an antique store. A much less sinister imagining than her 2014 Annabelle film film counterpart. We posted that on our Instagram page, what the actual Annabelle doll looks like, not the film version. Um, Given to the buyer's daughter, the nursing student and her roommate quickly began to notice odd occurrences involving the doll, such as changing positions or rooms. That eventually escalated to messages on paper and blood on the doll's dress, and at one point, violence. Annabelle took particular aim at the fiancé of one roommate, who claims he woke up frozen in bed as a doll crawled up his body and strangled him. He also allegedly claimed that upon entering a darkened room where the doll rested, he felt something attack him. When he flipped the switch, he saw his stomach covered in bloody scratches and the doll on the floor. The behavior freaked the roommates out so much that they called in a medium, who explained that she believed the doll as possessed by the spirit of a deceased seven-year-old named Annabelle Higgins. Higgins had supposedly died on the land where the apartment stood. The Warren family also got involved, determining that a demonic presence was in fact behind the doll. They performed a blessing in the residence before taking Annabelle off the young woman's hands. Annabelle has since become a permanent and prominent fixture in the Warren's Connecticut Occult Museum. Um... So something that we touched on as well in the original Annabelle episode was that uh, there was a guy that came into their museum and he made fun of the doll and then he died in a motorcycle crash. Right. So Ed, before he died, Ed would warn museum visitors that 
about this guy and he would tell them about how he died. He died. Um, but, and we talked about this on mm-hmm. that episode, but we never actually looked into it. He never provided any name or evidence, any names like of the guy or his girlfriend and never, there was never any evidence to the claim whatsoever. So like nobody seems to know who this motorcycle rider and girlfriend were. Right. No one knew who they were. Right. Um, so it's, it's a nice story, but, um, ever like that's basically all it is. It's likely that the story, the legend of Annabelle at least originates from that, from the Warrens themselves. Now I can't remember, did they go into the house to try? Oh yeah, they went, they did because they took her in the car. Um, and they they claimed that they had the, the incident car. with the car and everything. And so it's likely that it's just them and probably the medium trying to get, or even the people with the doll trying to get money or infamy from it. Yeah. Um, but also in 1963, mm-hmm. so before Annabelle came to light, there was an episode of The Twilight Zone. Right. In which a woman named Annabelle Mm -hmm. gives her daughter a doll that comes to life and terrorizes the family. Nice. So they could have very well, like, to me, like, the fiancé, I think, was trying to spook the girls with his claims. Yeah. And was, like, trying to get a rise out of them. Yeah. And then it went too far. Right. Like, they got so scared that they called in this medium. And then the medium was just trying to be, like be a good medium yeah and made this story up yeah. and then they were like oh okay whatever and he right. he was probably like Woo-hoo, like <laughs> she's she, this isn't gonna scare them though yeah. because now they think it's a sweet little innocent girl yes so, so he was just being a dick me. about it and yeah. then yeah saying all this shit right when and then the warrens came in and yeah just tried to verify like that this is happening yeah because it yeah anyway well, I mean, if it's if it's fake, like if it's I'm just fake. saying, it could be. It still could be real. Like it totally could be. Really, the only thing that was a lie about that was the motorcycle person. Like we, and it might not even have been a lie. We just can't. We can't confirm. substantiate it. We can't substantiate it. Right, and and, and the fact, and the fact that, that, there that there was an, an episode, episode of the Twilight Zone that he could have very well seen and yeah, and been like, oh, she gave her a doll. I'm gonna try yes. and play off this. That's right. Um, I just keep looking at your door because I wonder if you're... I, I'm looking for a face. <laughs> oh, my God. I think my dog wants him, but... I'm afraid. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. Okay. He will bark if anyone is oh, coming. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Or or just smile at them. But, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. Okay. So, the third um, story is the uh, parents. Perons? Parents? I think it's... Perrin. Like, I want to say it like Italian S, like but it's not. Or something. Like, yeah. Peroni. <laughs> like the beer. <laughs> Peroni? The Peroni. Beer. Um, so, the parents, aka The Conjuring. So, the story behind the movie The Conjuring, which most people probably listening to this have seen or mm. at least know about. Um, so, when Roger and Carolyn Perrin moved their family, including their five young daughters, to their new 200-acre home in Harrisville, Rhode Island, they were unaware of its allegedly insidious former resident. Originally built in 1736, the country home was once inhibited, inhabited by Bathsheba Thayer and her four children, three of whom died young. Despite the era's high infant mortality rates, 
Those deaths and the circumstances around them rouse suspicion within the town, resulting in the ostracism affair. Labeled a satanist by her community members, she allegedly hanged herself in her backyard. While the parent family lived in the home, numerous pleasant ghostly interactions like spirits playing with the children or helping her do chores were reported. But so were darker interactions from ghosts like Thayer's who took on more menacing presence in the home. So that's, um, yeah, okay, so there's more. (laughs) Disembodied voices, furniture moving on its own, the full spectral appearances were among the many ghostly experiences shared by the Perrin family. Matriarch Carolyn was all edgy, one of, was all, that's not a word. Well, I don't know. Major Carolyn was one of the Thayer's most consistent targets, supposedly jealous of the living woman's role as both mother and wife. Mm. The ghost reportedly pinched and slapped Carolyn quite a bit and even touched Roger inappropriately on several occasions. Oh, I would fucking smack the shit out of that ghost ghost? if she touched my man. (laughs) The Warrens were brought in to help in 1974, but their presence aggravated the conditions and Thayer, supposed, the, the, and Thayer supposed ghost so much that the family eventually asked them to leave. Horror icon James Wayne used the parent family's experience in his box office hit The Conjuring in 2013. Okay. So that's the, yeah, the presence of the warrants aggravated it and made it worse. I very much remember it in the movie. I don't yeah, remember how it, it ends, was, though. Was there not, like, is that the one where there was, there was a famous guy that played the dad? Yeah, I forget. I remember that one. Um, so the problem with this is that outside sources insist that this is fake and they have a fair amount of evidence to back it up. So primarily the current owner of the home, um, her name is Norma, uh, Norma Sutcliffe and she researched the history of her home and she found many, many factual errors presented as truth by the Perrin family. Uh, by the Warrens and by the filmmakers behind The Conjuring. She actually sued Warner Brothers due to an influx of trespassers following the film's release. Oh. Because people kept coming to the property. Okay. And just like trespassing on her property. Yeah, yeah, fair. So her and a journalist named Kent Spotswood produced a video detailing her research, which alleges that among other things, that the witch or the Satanist woman that was featured in the film... Uh, was anything but and that any satanic worship infant sacrifices or general witchery was just lies okay so the Um, fair like lady wasn't a satanist correct uh the evidence is further detailed by andy smith in an article for the providence journal and is corroborated by um jamie rubio on the investigative blog called dreaming casually so they've looked into the like literally the history, the history of the of home and they were like that uh, never that was never a thing they just it was lying. like a myth yeah yeah like it was just a legend an urban legend basically yeah. saying that this lady lived there and yeah there that never existed you're being untruthful right and we don't appreciate it got it <laughs> but like i mean that's a pretty weird thing to just like spark a myth about honestly i think that this was at a time where Urban legends were like popular and yeah, like people just made shit up. I think that I think that 
people were looking for a payday. And sure, And if sure. they could get the Warrens involved, they were going to hit gold. There's a lot of people who fake shit like this. Yeah. And I don't think that all of them are fake. Not the Warrens stuff. I think the Warrens stories are a mixture of real and false. Right. I think that, I don't think any of these hauntings were as bad as they made them seem. Right. Because I also, I might be wrong, we should, could do research into it, but um, I also don't think that they had any formal training as demonologists, as no. normal investigators. They were just normal people. And I think if they ever came face to face with an actual demonic entity, they would be out of there so, so fucking fast. fast. Yeah. And because they were just like there born again Christians. Like they were just like, I'm pretty sure they were just very like, they were Catholic. Catholic. Sorry, they were Catholic. No, it's okay. Uh, they were Catholic, but they were like very Catholic and like yes. coming from a Catholic family. Yeah. Like, we're meant to believe that there is an afterlife. Yes. Right. And that those things exist. And I think that it was just so deeply ingrained in their spiritualism. Right. That they believe that these things had to, had, they, they wanted to believe their, what other people were telling them. Right. And I don't know if, I don't remember which haunting it was, but I think we talked about it. It might have been Annabelle, where somebody that was connected to the case was like, Lorraine came in, she did one walk around the house, she was there for 15 minutes, and she left. All the shit that she said happened in those wasn't 15, true. Right. So I think that probably what happened was they realized just how lucrative this business was. Right. And just elaborated on actual things that were probably like leaky sinks or like sure. noises in the walls sure. due to animals or something, right? Sure, for sure. Because a lot of these places that all of these seem to be happening in are extremely old, decrepit. I mean, the colonial house was, yeah. I mean, beautiful on the outside, yes. but it probably, it was so old. So yes. the, the sounds, like right. I know my house, my family house that was made in like 1960 made right. noises. Yes. Yeah. Mine does too. And like, yeah, it's the wood. Right. But like at the same time, I think that some of these claims were probably real. Yeah. There might have been a haunting. I mean, touching her husband is really fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, maybe there was something in the house. Like, it's very possible that there was a spirit in their house. I just don't know if it was to the extent that they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, um, okay. So, now we're moving on to um, the haunting in Connecticut. Which is the Snedeker family. The Snedeker family, yes. So in 1986, Carmen and Al Snedeker rented a home in Southington, Connecticut to be closer to the hospital where their son was, was receiving treatment. Unfortunately, the family had little knowledge about the resident's strange and gruesome past. The formal funeral home came complete with, with the remnants of a mortuary in the basement and a graveyard outside. That's actually terrifying. I would never live there. What? never upon moving in their eldest son began seeing terrifying visions of ghosts the family would uncover the existence of toe tags in the house regularly lights often flickered dishes would shake the smell of decaying flesh hovered and reportedly water would on occasion turn blood red I don't believe that. Carmen, that's Russ, probably. Yeah. Carmen and Al even alleged that the demons had sodomized them during their two-year period there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Snedekers asked Ed and Lorraine Warren for help, and the investigators attributed the hauntings to the ghosts of those who were brought to the funeral home. 
According to the Warrens, the morticians partook in unsavory activities with the dead bodies. After a two-year stay, the Snedekers finally moved out. Like the Perrin story, the Snedekers' haunting was mortalized in in film. Stephen and I almost bought a house whose backyard backs onto a funeral home. Oh. Quiet neighbors. For sure. We almost bought it, and it was... It was my dream home. Oh, my God. You walked in, and it looked like you were on the set of a Tim Burton film. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. It was gorgeous. Did you not get it because of that? And they had a secret room that, like, if you didn't notice that there was a door there, we walked past this door. Oh, my God. Probably, like, six times, and nobody noticed until I was like, this is a fucking door. Oh, my God. we opened it, and it takes you to the secret room in the attic, which they used as, like, their kid's playroom. It, this house was massive. It was a, it was like such a low, low, low price. Why? And just because of the location? Yeah, the location was not good. It was like um like B- Barton Village area. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the house was massive and gorgeous and it sure. had like it had a massive backyard. Like it was beautiful. But Steven said no. He just was like, I'm not living in that house. No. It's not fair. happening. And I thank him every day for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel like it'd be just bad vibes. Yeah. So does, okay, the, the scenario of the Snedeker family, does that sound familiar to you at all? I mean, it sounds like Amityville a little. That's right. It sounds like Amityville. And, and the conjuring and the conjuring uh, yeah family moves into but a more amityville to me by demons, yeah. yes yeah um and just like those uh the snedeker haunting came with its own book so it seems like all of these are coming with their own books right so this book was called in a dark place the story of a true haunting which is credited as written by evan lorraine warren carmen reed who i don't know who that is <laughs> al snedeker and ray garton and ray garton was a horror horror novelist, and he was hired by the Warrens cool. to help shape the Snedeker's accounts. Cool, nice. So their own experiences weren't scary enough. They so needed hired a, horror a horror novelist, horror novelist yeah. to help with that. Fantastic. So, according to a gentleman named Benjamin Radford, he wrote for. Um, a website called Live Science. Mm-hmm. So Garton, the horror novelist, told Horror Bound magazine that he interviewed all of the family members about their experiences. And soon after interviewing them, he realized that there was a problem. I found that the accounts of the individual Snedekers, or Snedekers did not quite match. Mesh. They couldn't keep their stories straight. I went to Ed Warren with this problem. Quote from Ed Warren. Oh, they're crazy, he said. You've got some of the story. Just use what works and make the rest up. Just make it up and make it scary. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So this is by one of the people that wrote the book. Like, he would make more money by saying that that everything was real. Of course. So also, according to an investigator named Joe Nickel, in June 2009, um, there was an issue of, uh, I guess it's like an, it must be a magazine called the Skeptical Inquirer, there were neighbors that had come out. Um, so people that were neighbors of the Snedeker family, as well as the horror movie or horror writer, had 
come out and they attributed most of the paranormal happenings to the family's serious drug and alcohol abuse. <laughs> oh my God. All signs seem to point less toward a family Shit. legitimately terrorized by an evil spirit and more towards the Warrens trying to create another Amityville phenomenon. Now this is, I will, I am just putting it out there. If the house is built with a graveyard on the property and it used to, and there's a mortuary in their basement and it used to be a funeral parlor, it's likely that it's haunted. Well, yeah. Likely. Likely, haunted, yeah, likely. Right? But So, I mean, it's set. I believe it's primed for haunting. 100%. I totally believe the house was haunted. Sure. I also totally believe that the alcohol and drug abuse amplified, amplified what it. they were saying happened. Yes. And I also totally believe that the horror movie or horror writer um exacerbated the yeah 100% but i definitely believe that house was haunted just based on the the fact that it used to be a funeral parlor had a, a cemetery on the property yeah. and had a mortuary in their basement i mean if you're finding how are toe tags totally just like chilling everywhere no i believe i believe the toe tag part too. no i know yeah, I, yeah. I it's clear that they like didn't clean up like right. everything yeah yeah. That, like, but that is so scary. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Like, it's giving me, like, chills. Yeah, I'm actually terrified. Anyway. Oh, again, I, I wouldn't buy a house that was formerly no. a mortuary. No. You? No, I wouldn't. Okay. And I'm really glad that Stephen didn't let us buy the house back onto the cemetery, even though there was something about that house where I was like, we need to live here. And Stephen pointed out to me, like, afterwards, was like, did you not realize that on the first floor of that house, they had five different flooring, like five different, like tiling, like yeah, different, like, like floors, yeah, yeah like, types of floor. Yeah. Like tile here, one type of hardwood in, in the hallway. So they were covering shit up. Hardwood and other. He was just like, it's just shoddily done. Like, why do you want this house oh, okay. so bad? Okay. So I wonder if it was something being like, buy the house. Oh I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I get it. I get it. Out. I get it. Sorry, I was like, where are you going with this? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> got it. Okay. Next. So the next is um the the devil made me do it. So it's the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Okay. In this landmark trial, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren were called to testify on beha- behalf of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, the first known case in the U.S. to use the devil made me do it defense. Um, on the evening of February 16th, 1981, 19-year-old Johnson engaged to Debbie Glass, Glazel, 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 um, and out, engaged to Debbie Glazel and out for dinner with her. Their landlord, Alan Bono, and others stabbed Bono multiple times using a pocket knife. Johnson would plead not guilty by possession, a defense found, founded on Johnson's relationship with his soon-to-be wife's younger brother, David. In the summer of 1980, David woke to what he described as a man with big black eyes, a thin face with animal features, and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hooves. The demon's description mirrors the creature from horror hit Insidious, and apparently scared David so much that Debbie turned to Arnie for help. Johnson couldn't find a reasonable explanation for David's bruises, or scratches, so the family pivoted to a priest. That supposedly only angered the entity more, causing it to make David hiss, speak in multiple voices, and, quote, paradise lost. The Warrens were brought in. 
In an interview with People Magazine, Lorraine stated that while Ed interviewed the boy, I saw a black, misty form next to him, which told me we were dealing with something of a negative nature. Soon, the child was complaining that invisible hands were choking him and there were red marks on him. He said that he had the feeling of being hit. The warrant supposedly worked with the Diocese of Bridgepoint and four priests who were brought in to exercise more than 40 demons from David. The diocese has only admitted to investigating the, Glaz the Glazel case, but allegedly the event saw David return to normal. Arnie, however, became their alleged new target. After moving in with Debbie and going to dinner at a bar with Bono, a fight between the two older men broke out and Johnson stabbed Bono. Johnson's defense didn't hold up in court and he was found guilty of first-degree manslaughter, serving out only five years of his initially longer sentence. So, yeah. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. It's a hoot. I love it. Not a hoot. It's sad. I don't love it. Yeah, but no, no. It's okay. It's, it's an okay. interesting one. This one's, yeah, this one's yeah. bad. So, there were priests that were involved with this exorcism. Okay. And they denied that any exorcism, any exorcism actually took place in this home. Okay. They never performed an exorcism. In so, home. why were they there? Because. David began to show signs of improvement, especially after he was placed into counseling and moved to a private school for disturbed children. Okay. So, in 2011, so they call the priest there because our kid's possessed. The priests sure. were like, send him to counseling. Yeah. We don't think he's possessed. Send we think he has mental illness. Send him to the school for disturbed children, which is like a fucking horror story in itself, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um... And he started to improve. Okay. In 2007, Carl Glatzel, who's David's older brother, tried to sue Lorraine Warren and Ger uh, Gerald Brittle. And Gerald Brittle is the author of the requisite true story book, The Devil in Connecticut, mm -hmm. for unspecified damages. As part of the suit, he claimed that his family was manipulated by the, the Warrens and that Ed and Lorraine and Brittle made up a phony story about demons in an attempt to get rich and famous at their expense. Um, none more so than little David, whose mental illness he feels was exploited for monetary gain. Right. Of course it was. Right. Of course it was. Uh, of course it should be noted that the Warrens and the other Glatzels might not be the only ones looking for money off of the experience. Carl wrote his own tell-all book mm. called Alone Through the Valley with author Francis Richards, the book does not seem to be available for purchase, but there is still an excerpt available on an old GeoCities site. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it, I had a GeoCities I site. Clicked, I did not. I clicked on it and it's still up. Oh my God, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Sick. That's it. That's it. Just one of the people that was involved was like, no, my little brother was, was severely just severely mentally, mentally ill. Yes, and you fucking and yeah, like he was schizophrenic. Probably he's probably schizophrenic. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diagnose people. That no, of course no, I shouldn't. Fine. I shouldn't. I'm just saying, no, no, like, like at the uh, they could have easily just been You're like using it as an example. As this an example, something he was suffering. This was from. something that he was suffering and from. Like he could it could have been a multitude of different things. But and instead of actually helping the kid. They now just said he's de he's he, there's right. a demon possessing him because the priest that did try to help him imagine yeah yeah he was getting better so the priest recognized that he could just be mentally ill yes before they decided to go ahead and put somebody through an exorcism oh my god which as you know can take days right 
Well, um, I don't know personally, but you, you've never had. I've an never had an exorcism personally. Oh, um, but uh, <laughs> frequently. <laughs> Um, but I assume yeah, that it can take days. days. And um, weeks sometimes. Months, right. years. No, I'm kidding. Years. years. <laughs> um, but instead of doing that, they decided, hey, it seems like this child is suffering from some type of mental illness. And I we believe that he should go to this school and receive specialized counseling. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, he started to get better. And then what? So after he got better, they... They, can, they just... they. They continued to claim that this was demonic, and it I it wasn't because David wasn't the one that was involved in the in the killings, the killings. Um, but they were like, "Oh yeah, see, like it's there's still a demon here." So yeah, so th- this is but this is to about, blame for the killing. The thing about demons is they don't they don't possess a home; they possess a human. Right. So you hear all the time about people who are like, "Oh, I'd move so fast out of this house," or "I'd move so fast out of that house," or people who do move out of the house and things don't get better. It's because they're not there for the house. They're there for you. They right. attach themselves right. to, you. to you. Yes. Yeah. So if this kid left and wasn't getting better, it maybe it was a demon that had attached itself to the kid, but he did get better. Right. And now all of a sudden the people in the right. home, oh, there's still scary stuff going they're on. They're still scary. Like, got it. Got it. Got it. Anyway. Where it just sounds like there was dysfunction within the family. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So he only friggin' served five years though for killing someone. That's pretty. I mean, they obviously somewhat believed it that it could have been, been a, a a, like it could have he, he could have been possessed. Five years. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the maybe he could have also been like. And he tried to. Attack it was first degree me murder, some, manslaughter. Oh, it was first. Yeah. Degree. Sorry. I don't know. First degree is like freaking life. Five years for first degree. Yeah. So. Um, there may have just been mental illness involved Could have been, yeah. across the family right? that just wasn't like, I mean, that to, to say that it was, yeah. it was, a, it was a demon and to just not say that it was a mental illness related incident. Right. I mean, it could have been that. But it's crazy because they, they use the devil made me do it as the defense. I know. That's, like they didn't say, oh, this was mental illness. He I don't understand. I can't understand demon. because the the Warrens obviously were like, this is real. Yeah. Because they could get something out of that. Yeah, for sure. So okay. yeah. Okay. So the I think this is the last one. It is. Um, the South End Werewolf. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps one of the most unusual cases from Ed and Lorraine Warrens. Case list. This investigation took the Warrens out of the U.S. to a seaside town in Essex, England. There, a man by the name of Bill Ramsey was believed to be possessed by a demon that manifested as a wolf. Growing up, Ramsey was a normal, happy boy. One day, though, at the young age of nine, he suddenly began exhibiting inhuman qualities. (laughs) Reportedly, while playing outside in his backyard, Ramsey felt a frigid cold overtake him and his nostrils were overcome with an awful stench before he flew into a rage, uprooting a fence post, fence still attached, and gnawing on its wire meshing. Ramsey eventually grew up, became a loving husband and father of three, and was incident-free until the 1960s. The early years of his marriage were plagued by nightmares, cold sweats, and waking up to the to the pants of a wild animal, which he soon realized were coming from him. 
In the 1980s, Bill would repeatedly feel overcome by the sensations he had as a child while hanging out with friends and even once while doing a citizen's arrest. At one point, he attacked a friend in a car on the way from a pub and manhandled police in intense altercations on several occasions. In the midst of this, Ramsey spent several stints in the hospital, all featuring the same symptoms of rage, inhuman strength, bare teeth, growling, hunched shoulders, and hands curled like claws. In an interview with the Warrens about their experience with Ramsey, Ed Warren stated that Ramsey would ask to be locked up in a jail cell for his protection and the protection of the public. When the Warrens got wind of Ramsey's situation, they asked him to their Connecticut home where, where Bishop Robert McKenna would perform a recorded exorcism on Ramsey. And that's, that's that story. And that's the and story. And that's the story. I guess the exorcism helps. Do you know what, what I thought of immediately when you were like snarling with his hands curled? What? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know, <laughs> you know the movie Step Brothers? Yeah. When the dad is like, <laughs> oh my God. I used to roam the neighborhoods like a dinosaur. Like he was pretending to be a dinosaur. Yeah. I chased the neighborhood cats. That's what you pictured. <laughs> that's what I pictured. Okay. That's very random, but my fair. My dad said it's time to put jobs aside <laughs> and get a job. But he didn't say that. What he said was, stop being a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> Amazing. So, okay. tell me tell me why this, this person like a was really, really a raging really good... alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Um, this sounds like a really good episode of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. but apparently, it's 100% true. According uh, to wait wait according to plot twist the famous demonologist and their book there's always a book mm. werewolf a true story of demonic possession uh, this is wonderfully summed up by Kirkus reviews uh, and there's no writer to quote like they don't have the writer's name so I can't quote who the writer was okay um, but he states or she he or she they state. Skeptics, please note the Warren's assurance that this is a carefully documented case. They for- just forgot to include the documentation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I die. Amazing. I die. Uh, you can read. <laughs> they just they just, just, just neglected to include. They just forgot. And yeah. then, you know, they got busy with other But words. it's documented. But it heavily. is carefully yeah. documented. You can read an overview of the case in a blog post by Ritoban Mukherjee. At Unexplained Mysteries, if you want to. Um, the most interesting thing about the post is that both demonstrate, or that it both demonstrates uh, the Warren's fraudulent nature and it shows how blindfully faithful and devoted the believers of their work can be. Mm. Um, so there's a quote, there's a passage that I'm going to quote. The Warrens have not been able to produce any photos or material evidence, but the very presence of the famous demonologist couple, uh, paranormal collector John Zaffis and famous exorcist bishop Robert McKenna greatly increases the credibility. Moreover, most resources touting the truthfulness of this case are blogs that love to gush on the Warrens. There are no articles devoted to debunking this one uh, case because it debunks itself. Man gets violent with some cops, blames werewolf demon, has an exorcism, <laughs> he's cured. <laughs> <laughs> So that really is how it ends. Has exorcism and he's cured. And he's cured. And that's it. The Warrens are to all hail the Warrens. They fucking did it. Um, So at the end of the day, Warrens, legit or fake as fuck? 
I mean, I, I think that they definitely exaggerate the experiences that they have yeah. in order to gain fame and um, notoriety. Well, not notoriety, but they are notorious for it. Right. Um, and, and money, because that's basically what they're whole lives were founded on and that's pretty much exactly how I feel about it yeah because I mean they 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 basically take people who already obviously believe in these things or want to believe or want others to believe and then they say you're right this is happening this is happening Um, and furthermore even more more scary scarier things you know I really wanted to do the Einfeld poltergeist. We can save that for next episode. But we can do, a, I think we should do that, a poltergeist episode. Ooh, I'm down. We did a poltergeist one, but Guys, I think we should. let us know yeah. if you want to do an episode based on poltergeists. Yeah, because that one is, I, I love that movie. Yes. The Conjuring 2. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I wanted to believe those kids so badly. Yes. So I really would love to go through that one. Yeah, um, do it. And, what, and, may, and maybe we can kind of talk about the, the fraudulent claims on that one but regardless i'd yeah like to, okay like so. to do it. um but yes it feels like when people when they know people are vulnerable and are also looking for a dollar or two yes. they're like we'll support you on this 100 percent, dude i'm not gonna lie like i'll do anything to get rich and totally if the warrens I will do any- like i mean if the warrens are like okay you do have some some like, some real things that have happened to you in your sure. life because i have we can make this big we can make this so much bigger you're right. gonna make a lot of money i'd be like yeah hell yeah sure yes let's do that okay yeah so we're we yeah we're the same okay uh, We'll do anything for money and except, well, within reason. I mean. I wouldn't like, hurt other people. No, money. no. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> like, no, it's not hurting anyone. Innocent claims. Innocent claims. Fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So are we going to do our uh, Fuck, Mary Kill? This is a good one. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. I like this one. All right. I'll tell the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got another game of Fuck, Mary Kill. We're going away from the horror movie villains on this episode and we picked famous fraudsters yeah to cover do you want me to go first or you uh you go first okay okay so also we wrote these people's names and then we wrote like what what they did and like a brief description of what they did and if you have to wait for the other person to google really quickly an image search like sorry but that's a we might we might have to do that. Yeah. Um, okay. So Frederick Bourdain, he's the gentleman from the Imposter documentary. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, the guy who made the the airplane dude. The airplane dude. He's. I don't know. It's okay. Uh, I don't know. Continue. You don't know anymore. Um, he's the guy who there was a kid who went missing, and this guy was um arrested for something as a he was young. I think he was a kid or like maybe just just turned 18 or something but he was young and he was in the police officer's office the officer left the room he saw a missing case a missing kid 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 yeah 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 yeah. and was like pretended to be him that's me and then they took him from france and brought him to america and the family was like this isn't our him no they were like oh it's him it's our son even though he had Different colored eyes. So they just believe different. It. They want to believe it. They wanted to believe it, or a lot of people think that they murdered their son. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And that they were like, oh, 
well, no, he's see, he's alive, he's here. He's Got it. Got it. Or something. Like so that, that was his con was pretending to be like another kid and be live with a. I don't believe that happened. I believe that they just really badly wanted to believe. That's what I think too. But he has claims that they've had conversations with him where they say like, "We know you're not Nicholas," but oh, da, da, da. like he says that, but I don't know. Okay, don't know what so that's one. Now. That's one of them. That's yeah. him. You need to know what he looks like. I know. Okay. Then there's so it's Frederick. Yeah. Borden. So B O U R D I N. Do I need to know what they look like? Like, I mean... I mean, maybe not. We could go based on the story of what they've done, but... Okay. It's fine. It's fine. I'll look. Okay. I'm gonna look. Next is... Okay. Anna Sorokin. Uh, she pretended to be a socialite and right. took money from real socialites and was always like, oh, yeah, I'll get you the next time or whatever, like... And just like stole a bunch of money from, I think it was New York. It might have. I'm pretty sure it was. You just found okay. Frederick. I found Frederick. He's <laughs> terrifying, guys. Oh my god. Okay. She, anyways, Anna Sork and basically took a bunch of money. I think it was New York. Opened like opened like opened clubs. Went to to on very oh she's like vacation. Yeah, this is like relatively recent, isn't yes. it? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, and then there's Carlos Kaiser, and he pretended to be a pro soccer player in Brazil. So you know how big soccer is yes, in Brazil, right? On four different pro soccer teams, okay, in Brazil, despite the fact that he never played a single game for any of these teams. What? He lied, just literally lied, talking about what a fantastic soccer player he was. And then he would get injured in the first practice and they'd bench him for the year. No fucking way. And imagine how many millions of dollars he made just sitting on the fucking bench of four Brazilian soccer teams. That is genius. Never played a game that of is soccer genius. in his entire life. I mean, how do you spell this? Kaiser, like like the bread. K-A-I-S-E-R. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay um he's hilarious so cute right like he's hilarious <laughs> um so fuck mary kill um damn this is tough um because mm-hmm. i mean i kind of don't want to kill any of them <laughs> like i mean they all seem like kind of funny people to be know. around i've got my notes, but i but... think i'd go with frederick to kill yeah same um just because he's scary as fuck and like who pretends to be someone's kid that's pretty that's fucking missing. dark. A kid that's missing. That's like, like that but bothers me. Yeah, same. Um, so I'd kill him. Um, I probably, <laughs> I don't, I, uh, I'd probably fuck the girl. Yeah, same. 100%. Cause she's cute. Yeah. And like fun. Yeah. She's like, 100%. she'd probably rock it in the sack. A hundred percent. And uh, I would um, marry, <laughs> Uh, Carlos. Like we said at the beginning, we are marrying for money. Yes. And he's, he clearly knows how to get it. And like, who doesn't want to date an international star or soccer star? Like it would catapult my, my fame. Yes, absolutely. 150%. <laughs> I'm with you. I agree with all of your decisions. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I feel like you won't need to, um, Google these, Google these people. You may need to Google one just to remember their face, but, okay. um, they're pretty famous. Okay. okay so we've got Lou Perlman, 
The man, the myth, the legend, was an American record producer and fraudster. He was the manager of successful 1990s boy bands such as Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Oh in 2006, God. he was accused of running one of the largest and longest running Ponzi schemes in history, leaving more than $300 million in debt. This fucking guy. Oh, my God. I mean, he is a cutie. He's adorable. He's adorable. Like, okay. So I I went with the Ponzi kind of uh, theme. theme here. And I just figured Charles Ponzi, our oh, man, yeah. also because we're both Italian. I really love this guy a little bit. I like, love this guy. Like, I feel like I, I kind of like identify with him in a weird yes. way. Yes. Maybe it's just our heritage. I don't know. Probably. He promised clients a 50% profit within 45 days or 100% profit within 90 days by buying discounted postal reply coupons in other countries and redeeming them at face value in the United States as a form of arbitrage. In reality, Ponzi was paying e- earlier investors using the investments of later investors. So basically they were just paying people with their investments got it um well this type of fraudulent investment scheme was not originally invented by him it became so identified with him that it is now referred to as a ponzi scheme his scheme ran for over a year before it collapsed costing his investors 20 million dollars jesus christ which is a lot of money back then yeah um ponzi may have been inspired by the scheme of william f miller a brooklyn bookkeeper who in 1899 used the same scheme to take in $1 $1 million. Oh my God. So he got 20 times as much. Yeah. Okay. So that's why they named it after him, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they named it after him. So do you know what he looks like? Yes. yes I looked him up. Okay. And last, but very I'm much so not least. so excited. Sylvia Brown. <laughs> Was an American author and also... Uh, TV personality who claimed to be a medium with psychic abilities. She appeared regularly on television, radio, including the Malta Montel Williams show and Larry King live and hosted an hour long internet radio show on Hay House radio. Brown was frequently discredited and faced criticism for making pronouncements Mm -hmm. that were later found to be false, including those relating to missing persons such as Sean Hornbeck and Amanda Berry. John Ronson in The Guardian dubbed her America's most controversial psychic. Brown was also a convicted criminal, having faced fraud and theft charges in 1992. Despite considerable negative publicity, she managed a large following. So I don't know if you know that about that, the boy that you mentioned, Ryan or John? What's his, Sean or something? John Ronson and Sean Hornback. Sean Hornback. Yes. Do you know what that story is? It's so familiar, but I don't know. Okay, so he went missing. His parents appeared on the Montel... Oh, sorry, I, I'm so obsessed. No, with I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. His parents appeared on the Montel Williams show asking her, where is our son? Right. Is he okay? Right. She told them he's dead. He's in water mm, somewhere. Mm. He was alive. I remember, I remember her doing that. And he was alive. Um, the person who kidnapped him, like pretty much, uh, it was like Stockholm Syndrome. He was allowed to go out and play with friends in the neighborhood. They just changed his name. Oh. Um, and he would keep him there by like buying him X- an Xbox, like bought him a bunch of shit. So but he she felt told the parents safe. he was dead. Jesus. And he was alive. Right. And there's. Think, did they. But did they I stop looking for a, him when they found that out or did they continue? No, they. they I think they were looking for a body. Right. Um, but they. There's either a documentary a book or something, something that we can consume that's called like, I know my name is Sean or uh, something like that. Okay. I, I think that's him, but there's another 
I should, you know what? I can't disservice people like this. No, we need to really tell them. Especially in this case for what I'm about to tell you. But let me make sure that it was Sean Hornbeck who, who, this is the one who was kidnapped. I just wanted to make sure. Yes. There's another person and I don't recall the name and I can probably find it right now um, where she told, or these people came to Montel again Mm -hmm. and they, um, they asked her. They told, they knew that they, um, they knew that their son was dead or that I th- my, maybe it was the boyfriend had died. They knew it. And, oh, fuck, sorry. I just opened the YouTube link. Um, they knew that this person that they were trying to connect with had died already. Um, and she was like, oh, yep, I see them. I, you know, these are the messages that he's giving me. Um, he died and oh oh they wanted to know how he died because they couldn't figure out how he died okay and she said that it had something to do with drowning right which she always kind of defaulted to with a lot of people yes um he drowned in water or something like that like it was something so and the woman was like uh and she said a time of year or something like she was so fucked and the person that was there asking questions were like he died in 9-11. Oh my god, no. We just don't know if he was trapped. <gasps> Did he jump? Right. Was he trapped? Did he burn? Did he what happened? Oh my god. Yeah. So and she like completely just they were just went like, past. Uh, 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 I think I recall that then episode Montel too. Hell fucking Williams was like, well, there were firefighters there with with hoses. I think I recall that. You're yeah. A fucking moron. Yeah. No, we're so sure. I'd well, you have to her. save his ass. I'd kill. Her. You'd kill her. I'd fucking okay. kill her. Yeah. Um, and then Charles Ponzi, I'd have sex with him, <laughs> okay. and I'd marry Lou Perlman because he's got lots of money. Yep. Well, he might not anymore, but he probably has a stash. Right. But. He has a stash somewhere. Also, but you I don't want to bang Lou Perlman. I'm not banging him. No. I'm banging Charles Ponzi. No, for sure. He's Italian Lou, stallion. That's right. Lou, Lou Perlman is just my husband who I don't have sex with. Right, because correct. Because I'm fucking Charles Ponzi. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and he's giving me such good love that I don't have time for Lou Perlman. Right. Um, <laughs> also, I just want to go back to Sylvia Brown because she's actually like, I, like wow. Yeah. Um, Amanda Berry... Yeah. She didn't she also say that Amanda Berry was dead on the show and Amanda Berry actually ended up being part of the um the the missing persons the Castro Ariel Castro kidnappings. So she was one of the girls Are in those kidding? kidnappings and they found her. <gasps> right. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, she was fucked. She's ruthless. Yeah. Just like giving these people these like fall like saying that their kids are dead and yeah. they're fucking alive. Yeah, and Montel Williams apologized to Amanda Berry uh, because of the incorrect. Could you imagine if someone said you were dead and you're like, "I'm fucking alive," oh, on national God. television? Not only that, like, can you imagine just somebody telling you like your daughter's missing? You're looking desperately looking for her, and they just and say, they say she's, de- she's sorry. Dead. Dead. And that's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is that she's been kidnapped and right. held against her will. Right. And then you go and change it to she's dead. Right. Like you are a monster. A you're a monster. monster. She's yeah, I'd kill her just based on that alone. Yeah. All right. 
Any final words? Um, Donate to our Patreon. We've got a Patreon. <laughs> yep. It's patreon.com slash paranormalpod. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's paranormalpod underscore. Instagram is paranormalpod. My personal Instagram is splendora underscore. Yours is Nick Savelli. Nicolina Savelli. It's my whole name. My whole name. My whole damn name. And that's it. Stay spooky. Oh, no, it's not it. What? We have a hometown to read. Oh my God. How long is this episode? It's long. It's an hour and 15 minutes so far. Shit. Okay, we'll just cut that whole thing out and then we'll do it again. But, um, okay. So our hometown haunt is comes from Danielle and its title is Minnesota, Not So Nice. And it literally starts, I promise I'm not crazy. Right. Really? Really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> when I was 20, my close friend committed suicide. Within a month, my ex killed himself as well. He was not the greatest person. I've seen and heard both of them. My sister was possessed when we were both younger. I was nine and she was six. It was fucked up. I'll start with her story, which she remembers none of. um, And my parents deny it as well. I moved a lot when I was younger. My sister and I always shared a room. Same. Didn't move a lot, but we always shared a room. We are three years apart, so we are really close even now. One of the places was a five-bedroom, two-bath house, and I finally got my own room. My sister's room was right next door and my brother and parents' rooms were in the back of the house. One night, I heard my sister's bedroom door slam, so I hopped out of bed and ran to her door and I couldn't get it open. There are no locks on the doors. I pounded on the door, telling her to let me in and there's no response, but I can hear noises like her dolls falling on the ground and shit and making weird noise. I went to my brother's room and woke him up and we went to her bedroom and he can't get them open. He can't get the doors open either. So I'm freaking out, like, what the fuck is happening? Plus, the house was fucked up. Cabinets would open by themselves. You could hear people talking. Just not a good scenario. I started yelling, you're not welcome here, and to leave her alone. And the door opened, and she's sitting up in her bed, and we can't wake her up. She's just facing forward, like she's staring at the wall, making weird noises. Like, as if she's talking to someone, and then she just lays back down, and that was it. Ever since that night, she's been afraid. Even to this day, she's afraid. She snuck into my bed growing up because she said there's a black and red man staring at her. Most recently, we had a sleepover, and I shit you not, we saw someone standing at the end of her bed, and the TV remote went flying off the table. Both of us sat in fear. There were times growing up that my legs would get grabbed while I was sleeping, and there would be whispers in my ear. One time, my friends and I, including my sister, were stupid as fuck and used a Ouija board to try and talk to our grandmother. Not smart. My sister and I were home alone one night in a different house and I was sitting in the living room and I saw a man in the reflection of the TV staring into her room from the doorway. I called for her and told her to run. At the same time, the garage door closed by itself and stuff in the kitchen was being thrown all over the place. I told her we needed to go next door because the neighbor really loved Jesus and stuff (laughs) like that. LOL. She was my friend's mom. My sister and I could not get the front door open. The door from the house into the garage or any other door open. I busted down one of the doors to get out of the house and we ran next door and the neighbor was throwing holy water on my sister. And she told me I wasn't allowed to be with her because I wasn't worthy of being saved. Oh my God. So I grabbed my sister and we went to the very end of the driveway and waited for our parents to get home. We did not take our eyes off the house. 
The blinds were moving and there was someone standing there waving at us and smiling like, ha ha bitches. To this day, I'm 28. She's 25. It still haunts me and something is still following her. Another one for you. My friend committed suicide in January of 2011. She was a happy person, life of the party, but had her mental demons. The night of her funeral, there were four of us that had their TVs turned on and off. I personally felt someone sit on the bed and my ex was like, why did you just grab me? I told him it wasn't me. I was too afraid to move. Almost every year in January, I've seen and heard her. And at this point, it's consoling. But back then, it was uh, scary when you get out of the shower and you see her in the mirror staring at you. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. That's what she said happened. My ex that committed suicide literally still haunts me. He was a douche when he was alive. And now it's even worse. I can't believe I'm reading this and might cut this out. One of my friends lived in a house that we both felt was haunted. She has the same type of feelings I do where we can see, hear, and feel. One weekend, her parents were out of town and we went to walk in to her dining room. And there's a fucking guy standing over the dining room table cleaning a shotgun. Uh, Anyway, my friend was like, yo, who the fuck are you? And we all of a sudden hear a loud ass gunshot and he disappeared. I've woken up to him strangling me and I've had the marks on my throat and he's held me down to the point where I can't scream. One night there was eight of us in a basement just hanging out and drinking. I was sitting up against the wall and all of a sudden we all hear a gun go off and the entire rack of hats that were on the wall, including the rack, fell right on me. Everyone ran and tried to block me from getting out of there. That was one of the scariest things that happened because everyone heard and saw what happened. I still hear gunshots. It is so weird. I have a lot more stories. There's been something following me for sure for a long time. I hope you enjoy it all. Danielle from Minneapolis. Damn. Terrifying. Yeah. All right. My computer's about to die. We've got 12% battery left on this bad boy. So we're going to have to end it here. Um, You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at paranormalpod underscore. Instagram is at paranormal pod. My personal one is at Splendora underscore. And mine is Nicolina Savelli on everything. And you can donate to our Patreon so we can continue bringing you or we can continue bringing you quality content like you've just heard. It's <laughs> patreon.com slash paranormal pod. And that's it for tonight. Stay spooky. Goodbye.